Coming to you from somewhere in Southern California, it is the Two Point Deduction Podcast right here on MMAmania.com. A mostly audio version this week because I am on the road for Major League Wrestling. That is right, I am on the left coast for the first time in my life in the midst of a coronavirus. Great, fun, fantastic. I, if I get stranded in California, just just don't send for me. I'll, I'll stay here. I'll make do. I'll find something to do, maybe run a dispensary or, you know, just fall asleep in one of the 8,000 MMA gyms and hope I get on as a public address announcer. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But before we get into the news this week, if y'all watched UFC 248, it was the best of times and the blurst of times, starting with the co-main event, Ioanni and Jacek versus Wei Li Zhang, or Zhang Wei Li, and my lord, that fight. If you miss Harry Turjanian and my call of UFC 248, head on over to the SBN MMA YouTube channel right now and watch that fight. Watch, watch the whole card, but watch our call of that fight as we find 87 different ways to point out how large Ioana and Jacek's forehead got during the course of those five rounds. And you'll hear me at very contrasting points of the fight imploring Ioana and Jacek's team to stop the fight it was just a hematoma, thankfully, but she will be heading for surgery, and that's what we'll start with in the news. Uh, this is coming from MMA Fighting. The swelling is going down, Yanjacek said. The UFC really took good care of me. I met with my doctor on Monday. Everything is fine. She has a small surgery on Monday on her ear in Poland and with one of the best plastic surgeons in the business. Uh, she got her cauliflower ear drained at the ER right after the fight, so it looks pretty bad, but that's it. She's just waiting on the swelling to go down. And, and Jacek will more than likely run it back with Zhang, uh, as those are the only two fighters worth a damn right now. That's not Rose Namajunas in the strawweight division. Uh, they'll probably run it back after Zhang and Namajunas or Andraj and Namajuna, uh, Andraj and uh, Lee, uh, Z wow, Zhang Wilei. I'm very tired, folks. I'm going to be straight up with you right now. I was on a six-hour flight, and I worked about a 15-hour day today. So, ya boy, tired, but here bringing you the podcast anyway. Going to that fight, it was probably, out of all the fights I've watched uh, since joining the SBN MMA and MMA Mania family, probably the best fight I've ever watched and probably one of the best fights as a fan I've ever watched. They just went at it for five rounds, and you got to give Joanna and Jacek credit. She went straight ahead, straight forward, kept trying to get at Zhang, kept trying to make it a fair fight, but Zhang's punches and just the propensity of offense thrown during that fight is at historic levels. It was one of the, statistically, one of the biggest brawls in terms of significant strikes in UFC history. Let's take a look at some of the stats for just a second that are brought to you by our producer, Clement, who was working with us this past Saturday. During the fight, Yanjacek and Zhang threw 31.2 significant strikes per minute through the first two rounds. That is one of... And at the, and at the end of the fight, the number went up to 35.6 significant strikes per minute between each fighter. So each fighter was averaging just about 17 strikes per minute that were significant strikes, that weren't just light jabs, that were big 
devastating shots. And the fact that Yen Jacek was able to even maintain her consistency throughout the fight and contain and continue to try to step forward and step to the champion and try to make this a fight when all the scorecards basically had her losing this one is very impressive. And let's go to one of the bigger controversies coming out of this fight, and it's not that Yin Jacek lost. She lost that fight. Let's not argue. Let's not do a semantics argument. Let's not say, you know what, her curtain gets you. No, 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 no. That's bullshit. We all know it. Zhang won the fight. Zhang's one of the most dominant fighters in MMA. She's right below Amanda Nunes in that regard for female fighters, and she's in the top five to top ten. Uh, just upon that performance alone against one of the most dominant female fighters of the past decade in Yen Jacek. Let's talk about Islam Makashev claiming that this is not a woman's sport. Really, pal. Now, cultural and religious stuff, let's throw that all out the window. If you just watched that fight in a vacuum and you never saw an MMA fight in your life, never saw a combat sport in your life, you just dropped on earth and you saw that, you would think those are the two most devastating warriors this planet has to offer, and you wouldn't even know if they were female or not, you would still look at them, you would applaud, and you would say they're two of the best fighters on Earth. Then you would have them go up in some weird intergalactic war where they're fighting people who look like Megamind. Well, not Joanna and Jacek, but you you get the point. Just another sloppy bullshit take from a member of the MMA community, and we see them all the time. The very cold takes in mixed martial arts are essentially as common as the Reebok deal. Uh, they do no one no good. Uh, there's minimal gain, and the only person who comes out of this looking good is Dana White. And that's something none of us want. None of us want that at all, especially us here at MMA Mania. I'm kidding. Love you, Dana. You're a, you're a beautiful boy. But let's take a look at the main event. Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero for the UFC middleweight title, a fight that Harry and I were very much looking forward to. I was looking forward to it because Yoel Romero, for the first time in his career, made weight, in first time in three title fights, was making weight and had a shot to win. Now, he made weight against Whitaker in one of his early title fights, but he made weight this time, and it felt like this one was going to be a war. It was going to be on the level of Zhang and Yin Jacek, which was I was, which was why I was fine with that being the main event because I thought both guys were going to bring it. Well, the exact same, the exact opposite happened. Uh, it was five rounds of both of them, as Harry said, playing a video game with both of the players leaving their controller and then coming back every once in, once in a while. It's like they went to go get pizza rolls, cooked the entire pizza roll, and then came back and nothing really happened. And it was a Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou level fight. All the hype you were looking forward to is the... It's the main event of a pay-per-view, a major pay-per-view in Las Vegas, the first, one of the first Vegas pay-per-views of the year outside of the Connor fight. Adesanya's got all this hype talking about legacy. You've got Paulo Costa and his lip gloss there looking like Crayshawn in 2012. And he, nobody brought it. That main event went up like a lead balloon. And Yoel Romero, look up his post-fight promo with Joe Rogan. Uh... Or look up Harry Turjanian's impression of it on the SBN MMA YouTube channel because I can't do it justice. He admitted that that's not the fight that people wanted to see and that the fight essentially was a bullshit fight. Um, Adesanya will move on to fight Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa and Yoel Romero almost three-pieced and assaulted one another. They almost pulled a UFC 229 and got into a brawl after 
after Romero's fight in the crowd. Uh, luckily, that didn't happen. But now Paulo Costa and Israel Adesanya is the fight to make at 185 pounds. And after this fight, there are going to be more questions about Adesanya than answers because Paulo Costa handed, handed Yoel Romero a loss, his second loss in as many fights. Now Romero's on a three-fight losing streak. And you start to wonder, is Adesanya going to come out for this fight or is he going to play that same exact game he played against Romero? And I'm hoping not as a fan uh, and as an analyst and as someone who gets paid to watch fights. I really don't want any fights to be boring. This card exceeded my expectations, and I said it on the broadcast that I didn't expect this card to be all that good. I didn't expect it to be a high-level card or meet the expectations of the last two shows. But I was wrong, and I'm going to be wrong a lot on this show, on the SBN MMA YouTube channel. I'm going to be wrong a lot because I'm a human being and I'm not infallible, except when it comes to pasta. I'm, I'm on point with that. Uh, I'm, a, I'm the Kreskin of pasta. But we, we see these fights, and now we look ahead to UFC 249 in Brooklyn, my hometown, right down the street from where I grew up at the Barclays Center. And now we look at the coronavirus possibly canceling Habib and Tony Ferguson again. It was going to take an act of God or a state of emergency to cancel this fight. And right now, UFC Brasilia is on Saturday. And we expect that fight to happen. We expect that fight to go on. But we take a look at this post from MMAmania.com. And per UFC Vice President of Communications, Lene Breckenridge, uh, they're proceeding as planned with all upcoming events, but this news came after the XFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NCAA men's and women's tournaments, all NCAA conference tournaments, and a majority of other public gatherings have been canceled or postponed until a break in this outbreak, in the coronavirus outbreak, in the pandemic that has officially been labeled by the World Health Organization. Now, per the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, uh, as UFC on ESPN 8 is supposed to go down on March 28th in Columbus, this fight, there is no spectators allowed for indoor sports and activities, including high school, college, and professional teams in the state of Ohio. So if you wanted to go see UFC Columbus, you were SOL. You were shit out of luck because that fight, if that card does happen, they are not allowed to have people in that venue. And if this continues, the state of New York's in a state of emergency. Now, that's primarily due to them wanting to get resources and access to specific things to help combat the coronavirus, primarily testing materials, uh, aid, uh, potential other earmarks that are predicated for states in, of emer in a state of emergency. But that may me, and but... The city of New York and the state of New York have put a ban on public gatherings for the foreseeable future, I believe a minimum of 30 days, where there cannot be any public gatherings over 200 people. And this is a major UFC pay-per-view taking place under the auspices of the New York State Athletic Commission, and the New York State Athletic Commission right now doesn't know their elbow from their asshole in how to handle this. When you... I've not seen any reports that... This fight is going to go on, as, aside from the report from 
Breckenridge of the UFC. But right now, if I'm Dana White and I'm the head of the Barclays Center, it used to be Brett Yormark, but it's not him anymore, I'm actively wondering, do we postpone the entire pay-per-view? Do we wait until May? Do we wait till later in April? Do we wait? Do we just hold off everything until June at the latest and then basically pile on pay-per-view and fight cards? Or you look at the extreme options. You pull UFC 249 from Brooklyn and you go to the UFC Apex facility. Now, the UFC Apex was built in 2019. It's right next to the Performance Institute. It's this gigantic sprawling complex that features a state-of-the-art arena with high-level production assets. And they've done Dana Dana White's Contender Series there. I think they're going to be doing the new series of the Ultimate Fighter there. We may see a situation where UFC 249 is from the Apex and there's no fans in the audience, and it feels like the first season of The Ultimate Fighter where you just have two dudes fighting and you have commentary there, but they may be able to do the commentary off-site, which is something ESPN knows how to do very well because of their prior experience in doing that for college basketball, college football, even, I believe, for some NFL preseason games. They've had commentary done off-site in different facilities to cut down on costs because ESPN broadcasts 8,362 events a year. And that's just on ESPN3. But another thing, if the UFC gets hosed, metaphorically speaking, and is not allowed to do UFC 249 from the Barclays Center, sell tickets, uh, I believe that show's already, if not close to being sold out, you have it at the Apex, but you also have this ESPN relationship. And I, I the particulars of the ESPN Plus pay-per-view deal have been vexing and confusing to me. Um... I don't know, and I believe this is on purpose, or I haven't done the right amount of research, and let me know in the comments if I'm wrong, but I think the UFC gets a flat rate per pay-per-view, and then a specific percentage later on of the cut of the pay-per-view. Now, if that's not true, and the UFC... Uh, pardon me, if that is true, and the UFC gets a cut of, of just a small cut of the pay-per-view, and then just a flat rate from ESPN, ESPN may want to think of airing the entire pay-per-view on ESPN. It's a fight that mil- I've seen it on my Facebook wall, I've seen it on Twitter, seen it on Instagram. People want this fight to happen. People are begging for this fight to happen. So you postpone this fight a week because you're going to need all your marketing materials, you're going to need all your advertising materials, you're going to need every piece of your media hype machine and you promote the fact that the UFC, for the first time ever, will be doing a numbered UFC event, not only from the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, not only will they do it without an audience, but they will do it live on ESPN from the beginning to the end. And the amount of publicity, the amount of ratings, the amount of goodwill the UFC would get from doing that would be worth the loss, I think. Would be the worth the pay-per-view losses and you get to advertise to new fans the two stalwarts of your most popular division right now, which is the lightweight division, which is one fi- it's the 155 division. you got Habib and Tony Ferguson, and all you need to do is just tell that story. All the times this fight's been canceled, all the reasons this fight's been canceled, all the shit talk between them both, that press conference last week in Vegas where Khabib stepped on Tony Ferguson's belt and they almost threw hands with Tony Ferguson's weird-ass gloves 
how do you not want that fight to happen? And how are you, as a casual fan or someone who's never watched mixed martial arts before in your life, not want to see those two dudes fight for free? I think the money's there. I think the potential is there. And more importantly, I think the circumstances call for it, especially for Dana White to do some goodwill for MMA fans who are going to get shafted really hard. And if he wants to talk about being for the fans and this is all about the fans and providing the fans the best possible experience, especially when they don't have the ability, the right, to purchase tickets to one of the biggest events in the world, I think you take away that pay window and you just roll in the ads. Uh, and our final news story. What did the five fingers say to the face? Well, if they were in Korean, uh, Brian Ortega slapped somebody, and he said, I slapped you. Do that take again. And now for our final story, let's go back to UFC 248, and an incident that happened not inside the octagon, did not happen between Paulo Costa and Yoel Romero, but Brian Ortega, Korean zombie, and a K-pop star. No, that's not a Mad Lib. No, I'm not Joe Sanagato. And no, this is not the beginning of an aristocrat's joke. Brian Ortega bitch-slapped Korean zombie's translator, who happened to be a K-pop star, by the name of Jay Park. A few days after Ortega semi-apologized to Park for slapping him inside the T-Mobile arena during UFC 248, Ortega offered up a more sincere apology, taking to Instagram to write a lengthy post apologizing to Park and Chang Song Young, who is known as the Korean Zombie. My pride is my enemy, and over the last couple of days, I've been battling it, Ortega said. I hope you understand that I'm human and I'm flawed in more ways than one. In the beginning, I justified my actions based on the series of events that led up to Saturday, but I now realize that what I did was wrong overall. My parents taught me dignity and respect, and I didn't show that. My coaches have always taught me that martial arts are to empower the weak against the strong. On Saturday, that didn't happen. When I make a mistake, I own the consequences, Ortega continued. But in this case, the negativity that I've caused has spilled over to people closest to me, and that's how I've known that I did what I did was truly wrong. I'm sorry to you guys and my family. I apologize to Jay Parkett right there on Instagram for my actions and the shitstorm that followed. You deserve to enjoy MMA from outside the octagon just like any other fan. I apologize to Korean Zombie for dragging your friend into an equation that should start and end with the fighters. A little, maybe a little too late, but Park has not called the cops yet. He has not decided to call the Cherry Tops the one time, uh, the Hawaii 5-0. Even though he did give a statement to the police, he did not file charges. And yet again, this is the best of times, worst of times for the UFC because A, it gives interest for a fight between Ortega and Zombie that may not have been there before. But it's also a golden boy of the UFC, someone that the UFC was propping up up until recently, being in Modelo ads, being a focused piece of marketing, even though he took an ass whooping in his last fight. He's someone that looked like he could be a future face of the UFC. And, welp, you gotta wonder if it's one of those Conor McGregor or one of those Colby Covington moments where these guys get a little too much into get a little too much in their head, get a little too much ego, and do something completely stupid and audacious, and they have to pay for the circumstances. Now, both Covington and McGregor have not necessarily paid for the circumstances that they've caused, but for Ortega, 
this might consider this might drop him down. He's number two in the welterweight rankings right now, but he's not fought since December of 2018 when he got stopped by the doctor at UFC 231 against Max Holloway, the then UFC featherweight champion. Now he's got to wait for the winner of Volkanovski and Holloway, and he probably will have to do it against <laughs> Korean Zombie. And it's it's a little fucking crazy that Ortega, after maybe having a few terse words with Zombie on social media and in person, you decide to just go up and bitch slap his friend. As some people I grew up with say, that would be some pussy shit. And he's owned up to the fact that what he did wasn't the wisest thing or the most fair thing to slap a musician when the guy you're beefing with, who's a fellow fighter, is right there. Um, I believe he did that because he thought Zombie would piece him up in public, but it made him look like a bully. It made him look like someone that the UFC may not want to invest in, and it caused a, it might have caused detrimental harm to his career. But yet again, we don't know. They still employ Greg Hardy, so we have no idea. Uh, ESPN Plus this weekend has UFC Brasilia, and you can sign up for ESPN Plus now by going to MMAmania.com and clicking the link there. We've got a whole bunch of links and a whole bunch of ways for you to not only help the cause, but also maybe save a little coin on ESPN+. Plus. Go to MMAmania.com right now and join ESPN+. Plus and uh, stick around. While we were supposed to have science versus probability on the show this week, Stephanie Sotilli came down with a terrible case of Yin Jacek head, but do not fret, my friends, as we will have Stephanie Sotilli back on the program next week to talk about, well, if if UFC London does happen, everything being shut down with the coronavirus, UFC Brasilia will be going on as scheduled. Closed doors, though, and Kevin Lee this morning missed weight for his fight with Charles Oliveira, but the fight will go on, and Kevin Lee missing weight it's just another friday in america but that will do it for this week's edition of the two point deduction i want to thank all of you for listening in i want to thank charles Oliveira, not because he was going to be a guest on the show i just want to thank him because du bronx is an awesome nickname and we will be back next week on the podcast talking more about the coronavirus what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts and whether or not we will be able to actually watch fights again with people in the venue Till next time, I'm Matt Ryan, and so long from the Golden State. We'll be able to actually watch fights again with people in the venue. Till next time, I'm Matt Ryan, and so long from the Golden State.